Robbo, MBE. Welcome back to the Grand Zero Podcast. Thank you, mate. Ah, it's always my privilege to have such a an elite athlete on the show. <laughs> <laughs> now, but seriously, first up, mate. I know I've said it online and I've put a post up about it and all that, but congratulations on the MBE, mate. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm deserved. It's hard work to get it, but um, I think it's kind of testament to the the way that uh, not just myself, but everyone in the squad went through obviously through the time since since Rio in 2016 and to get to where we got to obviously in Tokyo and since then. So, yeah, it's uh, quite a privilege to get it. Which which Royal was it that gave it you? Uh, it was William. Uh, you don't, I don't think you find out like until the day, oh, uh, but obviously it was quite nice that uh, it was William. I would have obviously been happy with any of them, but I think <laughs> William, in, his, uh, in his Air Force number ones, and so yeah, it was nice to uh, to meet him and to, to get the recipient. So, yeah. yeah, I bet, I bet. And no. to be fair, I've, I've met Will once on uh, on Dig X, is when I met Will, like world's softest hands, yeah. Giant shovel hands, yeah, soft as shit. <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm not not I didn't meet him, but I think once um, I went to the the mess at some silence mess do at Honington, and uh, somebody that like, barged into me like behind me, and obviously at the stage where they're like always to try and. Who's <laughs> 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 wanting to fight me now? I'm in the bloody mess. No one can want to fight now. Don't mind. He stood there eating his pie and mushroom. I was like, oh, I'll say you're right. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Must have been a bit of a surreal moment, though, when you found out that you were getting it. Well, do you know what? It, it actually comes in like a... Because I've heard a few people say that they've gotten, like, uh, official telephone calls and stuff like that. But for me, uh, mine came in a, an official letter, and it's, like, to be opened by the recipient only. Like, generally, they're the only the kind of letters that you get when you're going to get, like, a speeding ticket or whatever. So I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, well. yeah, getting a fine, like... Yeah, I opened it up, and then when I saw the... Uh, the the royal crest inside. I was like, oh, maybe it's still a little bit more like a certain constabulary or whatever else. But then when I checked it out, I was like, no, thankfully it's uh, it's good news rather than bad news. So yeah, it was it was nice to to receive it. But obviously, again, still uh, um, something good to come off from from Tokyo as well. So yeah, yeah. Now that must have been a surreal moment as well throughout the whole of the games because obviously you were behind closed doors, weren't you? Yeah. So uh, I went to. Um, to, to to Rio the Rio games, but only as like um, a member of the the inspirations um, program. So the the whole point of that was to inspire the next generation of athletes coming through and to get them involved and things like that. And um, not only was it like amazing because you, you get to experience the crowd, you get to experience the the Paralympic games like up close and personal. Um, but for me, it did exactly what you said on the tin. It was there to inspire me, and I, I sat in the crowd watching the lads from from. GB wheelchair rugby push out on court and play the hearts out against Canada, against Australia, against you know, all the other top teams in the world. And I was sat there in the crowd and I said, Look, for, in my head, I was like, I don't want to be here in four years' time and I want to be there on the court with these guys. And obviously, uh, a little bit different to go to Tokyo and to play in front of pretty much nobody. But I think still the, the, the same goal still stood. We still went out there with the, the main aim in mind of winning a medal and being the first ever, not just. Uh, British team, but the first ever European nation to come away with a medal, and we were we were confident, and we knew what we were we were capable of. So luckily, we went out there and we smashed it, and came up with the, uh, the good. Literally smashed it, but yeah, it, it's, it's like the proofs the proofs in the pudding. The hard work and dedication that you put in from even from as early as the Invictus Games 
mm. up to where you've got to. Like I've 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 sat back and watched like the dedication that you're putting in just through social media, and I'm like, fuck, Robbo's fucking smashing that. Yeah, I think that literally I, it was quite easy for me to to choose my next goal since also from injury and being a head of court, and you're around a lot of uh, other kind of like-minded, uh, determined people. So um, going to the gym and seeing posters advertising Invictus games, it kind of made a nice, easy transition. And I, I remember to this day that um, when I was coming towards the end of my rehabilitation, they gave me um, the two choices. They said, look, you can either go out now and um, get some employment and try a little bit of wheelchair rugby on the side, or you can try and make it at wheelchair rugby and um, do a little bit of employment on the side. And for me, I was like, this, this makes total sense just to go out there and try. And I'm still at a relatively young-ish age we can go out there and try smash <laughs> yeah playing wheelchair rugby and see where it takes us and obviously at the time I was just getting the news that I was going to go off to Rio as well to get more inspiration so I thought this is as good a time as ever to try and now try and make my my mark in a, in a sporting new environment and to see where it takes us so yeah, yeah. Well, what's the what's the level of competition like from because obviously you're playing week in week out with whoever your team is I do forget um and then up to the international stage, is there that is it is it as big a jump as that you expected or not? So what happens is uh, you obviously play for a club team. Um, once you're obviously a good enough standard at the club team, um, you will be if you're if you are uh, if you want to go that way and you are good enough, then the, um, the talent or the development coaches, the GB development coaches, will pop along to a weekend and watch you playing rugby and stuff like that. And, what well, in, in my case, they came up to me and said, "Look, we think you'd be a great fit for the the development team. Let's see, um, we'd like we'd like to invite you on, see how you get on, and you then get accepted onto the the pathway where uh, you have like uh, a certain number of training camps for the year, probably like one one a month, um, and, and you see how you get on. And at the same time, um, if you're um, on the development team um, to get you more experience, uh, they allow you to play for two club teams, so one like one top level team and at the, at the time I was playing like a division say division two team yeah. um, but you could be loaned to a division one team as well to try and get that more experience to try and bring you on as a player and um, again luckily for me I did about a year on development and um, you then go where you have to be put forward to the elite squad uh, where you go for like a three four five day trial and literally it encompasses everything. You've got all your gameplay, you've got all your your tactics, your technical side of things, you've got your your fitness testing and we're testing you as well to see what your uh, whether you fit in and that kind of stuff. But yeah. um like personality into account as well, I get take it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you don't want people yeah, like, with the teammates and you're not gonna Exactly, yeah, yeah. You've got it's like and I, I, I try and um compare some of the stuff a lot of time to being with the military, you know what I mean? That I'm quite lucky in a sense that I've gone from where you're in the military, you're working as part of a team, you learn, you learn also to work well on your own, uh, you look out for one another, stuff like that. And if you can bring those qualities into not just a, a development and an elite level, but any club level playing rugby, that um, it obviously stands you in good stead for, for going forward. And um, yeah, just looking for me, I've kind of made the grade um, in 2017, I think it was. And yeah. since then, in a bit of a whirlwind, and, and here we are today. So, yeah. Yeah, you you always seem to be off. <laughs> you always seem to be off competing somewhere, whether it's like European Championships, World Championships, the Olympics. I take it 
the next the next mission is obviously so the next games. Yeah, so one of the perks of the 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 playing rugby is the fact that you do get to troll a lot, and I don't just mean that at international level with club as well. We've we've gone to like um, to Prague, we've gone to Amsterdam. You can do trips to like France and places like that. And um, for international wise, again, you've got plenty of trips to because obviously the last games we were, in, we were over in Tokyo, so um, we do a couple of tournaments alongside the the actual Rugby World Cup as well. So obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. 2019 that was in Tokyo so we were so we managed to go over there for a tournament I think uh this year I think we're off to Paris because the the rugby world cup's there which will obviously help us as well because obviously next year the next Paralympic games are going to be in Paris as well and um not only from a uh a traveling and settling in perspective but um there's some top top teams coming through at the moment and France are definitely on the rise so union they tend to have a, a fucking strong side as well don't they yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, oh, that's fucking that's fucking cool, mate. To be fair, all the travelling, like <laughs> it's like that ongoing joke, isn't it? Why did you join the military? I wanted to travel the world, and then we ended up in the fucking desert. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, now you're proper out there living the dream. Now you get to see the world rather than just like the hot. <laughs> yeah, instead of the hot bits, hot yeah. shit. But yeah, it's. I tell you what, I did see the other the a couple of months ago, I believe. And I didn't know it was a thing because obviously I knew obviously the union side of uh, of wheelchair rugby, and then I, I was watching the rugby league wheelchair rugby, and yeah. I don't mean any disrespect, but I found it hilarious when they did the kicking because they called it a kick. Yeah, was... so they think their version. They try and do a lot more alongside. The, the rugby league counterparts, whereas obviously ours is like pretty much a mismatch of rugby, basketball, dodgeball, chess, demolition derby, you know what I mean, a bit of everything. So, but yeah, I watched a little bit as well because if you not only am I trying to compare the sports, but I'm trying to look at uh, you've got to admire sometimes that people playing at elite level and their level of dedication, their level of training, and how good they are at playing that sport. And it just like kind of opened your eyes up even more to, to what people can and can't do. So, yeah. Yeah, I was I was I was definitely intrigued by it, and and obviously the uh, the way they took the conversions and things like that, I was like, e- even like, I I don't even think I could do that just normally with me hand. Yeah, yeah. to wheel up to it and then smash it. I was like, that's that's fucking proper crap. I've like nothing but admiration for any any of the top athletes that are doing it because you know playing sports, a- able bodied or full bodied is hard enough, but having the limitation and then obviously the fucking monster chair that you've got to carry around with you. It's a lot of yeah. fucking effort, mate. <laughs> yeah, looking at that takes all the uh, all the hits and all the damage rather than me. So I, I think I'd be pretty much more broken than what I already am if the uh, if it was me rather than the chair. But you know. Yeah, because you spoke about your chair last time, about how you had um, like a sponsor type thing, wasn't it? And getting fitted out for it and, and what have you. It's... So I think since then, uh, I've... I've still got the same chair, but it's obviously a lot more battered. Um, but I have in the process of another chair coming, hopefully before the end of this week. It's been a long time coming, but it's definitely needed. And you never know. I think like with when you see footballers who wear certain kind of boots or whatever, yeah. certain kind of every little uh, marginal gain is going to help you improve your game. And for me, obviously getting a chair that fits me perfectly is going to be um, uh, vital. Do you think it'll take you long to get used to it, or is it just you like? But you know, I've not made um. 
any major changes to the chair. I'm quite happy with the setup that I've got and the way that it is. So apart from it being um, brand new, um, I think hopefully it'll, I'll just be able to jump in it and it'll be ready to go and I can bed it in a little bit and then it'll be ready to go. So fingers crossed it'll, uh, it will be. Yeah. It even goes down to like the gloves that you wear as well, isn't it? Obviously protecting your hands and whatnot. Yeah. Do, are you still on uh, do-it-yourself gloves, or or have you or do you get given like some fucking alley ones? <laughs> well, you know what? Like when I first started playing Invictus, um, I don't know if it's still the case or not, but I know a lot of the guys that you get like uh, the American NFL wide receiver gloves, which are like really tacky and like you know they're, they're quite armored and stuff like that. But since I've started playing, I think that. No, I used to put a lot of tape around my fingers because you, you, when you come in the sport, you're worried about injuries and whatever else and this and other. So you kind of pad it up to the max. But now you kind of get used to it a bit more that I'm trying to be as lightweight as possible. So I get like these little um, gardening gloves which you can pick up like 10 pairs. <laughs> I was going to say they look like gardening gloves. Like. <laughs> yeah, they are. But, and, and, but the worries that because they're so thin, um, it enables them to like have more control of the ball. Like if I'm picking up yeah, the floor, yeah, obviously a bit more dexterity. Yeah, and the fact that, like, if you get a pair of, like I said before, NFL wide receiver gloves, you're paying, like, 30, 40, 50 quid for just for one pair, but these bloody 10 pairs for, like, a fiver from being q whatever it is. You burn through them, you get another pair out of the bag, and you're good to go, so. Speak to Sam Brown, he does a lot of gardening, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> He'll send you some fucking gloves. Yeah. It does look like there's a lot of strategy involved in the actual sport itself. Like, I know where... A lot of people will watch to start with and just see the the brute the brutality of it because it you do smash into each other, but obviously That's what, yeah the main bit the main there's a lot of a lot of gameplay and strategy that has to go into it, especially yeah. cause it's, it's different players can score different points as well, isn't it? If, if I'm not or am I wrong? Yeah, so the. Yeah. Each player that's on the team on the squad or whatever is you're assessed on your level of disability. Mm. Uh, and the, the four players that are on court, you can't add up to more than eight points. So um, it's down to the coaches to do all that kind of mixing and matching and who needs to be on court. And not only are you looking at getting the right numbers to add up to eight points, but you're also looking at the, the best lineup to match against their position and for certain yeah. players, whatever and so far. And um, I think a lot of people that come into the sport, they and not only that, but people that watch the sport, obviously love to see the collisions and the smashes and people hitting the floor or seeing wheelchairs but I think like I said the the more technical side of things is all the different clocks and different counts you've got to do and I think that's what makes me enjoy it even more because not only are you trying to use your 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 physical stature because you don't want to get knocked on the floor and you want to have you want to be strong you want to be fast and this kind of stuff but it it makes you use your your brain and your mental uh, capacity as well because you've got to remember when was the last time I bounced the ball uh, how long have I got to get out of the half how long have I got to score and for us as well, we it's definitely more technical down the road, but we we have certain like time stamps of when we try and score to uh, to enable us to have the ball for the next quarter or score the last goal. And obviously, all these little points they order up. So at the end of the game, you might only win by one point, but that may have been when you scored, say, the last goal uh, in the first quarter. That it all adds up to that. So so much different technical things to think of, as well as trying to not get smashed out of your chair and end up on the floor face down. So. Yeah. Tell you what, I do remember watching um the Olympics with I remember watching a couple of games with uh, with the missus and she was kept going, Fucking Robo's fucking brutal, isn't he? I was like, 
Oh yeah, he's a fucking train killer, isn't he? Of course he's gonna be fucking brutal. He ain't gonna take no prisoners there. And I remember listening to the uh, commentators, and they did they did comment quite often on the physicality of yourself. That's something that you pride yourself on, bro. You fucking animal. Bayonet. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> because I'm like the uh, the highest class you can be. I think a lot of the the ball handling and a lot of the the goal scoring, a lot of the stuff is like it's on myself and and any other high points on the court. So we have a major role to do, and I think because we are generally supposed to be the fastest people on court, because we have a lot of the 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 roles and responsibility on the court, that it's it's up to us to put in the big hits and to smash people and to put them out of the chair and the only issue with that is um being as as my social media handles say being legless um I am pretty much top heavy so that if I get smashed it's it's hard work to try and stay in the chair as well so as much as I'm trying to be as light and as nimble as possible when I'm in the chair I need a bit of beef should we say to try and keep me in the chair and keep it upright rather than face down on the floor so yeah <laughs> yeah I'll tell you what, it's quite a few people have actually um, asked me about that. They're like, is it, does he not mind being called like legless? I'm like, well, no, it's his handle on fucking in, on social media. I mean, his like charity cause that he started was Team Legless. And he was like, they're like, well, you fucking military lads are fucking weird. <laughs> well, what, what else are you going to do? Mope about about it? No, no, yeah. I know. I think we still, still, and, and, and maybe. It was like, because I think I remember when I woke up in hospital, I had like a a few social media accounts, but for some reason I'd forgotten all the logins because obviously the, the, the bag of the editor took. So I restarted my, my all different like Twitter account, Instagram accounts, and I just thought at the time it came into my head to use like this Robo and it's just stuck since. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't bear me no issues whatsoever. If, if that's what people remember me by, it's, it's, at least it's catchy and someone knows it, but there's no harm intended. So, yeah. Well, it, it's also true. <laughs> you can't deny it. It's just something that we're sort of brought up with, isn't it? It's a. I don't even think it's just a military thing. It's a British thing that you have to sort of make a joke about adversity at some point. Like, yeah. I, I, I even do it not not comparing it to uh to losing your legs or anything, but even down to my dyslexia that I've got and things like that. My missus will say stuff. And then burst out laughing if I pronounce like meringue wrong or something. Like yeah. even, even down to the day that I got engaged to my missus, we were ordering um the dessert and I read it as meringue or meringue or something like that. And she found it absolutely fucking hilarious. I'm like, well, it's just my fucking mong head, isn't it? It was <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Exactly. Yeah. But at least you get you you, you take it on board and you take it on the chin, so it's no issues. Definitely. So, what what was it like? The actual feeling inside to be obviously called up for the squad, and then get that chance to like fully represent the country again. Like, obviously, you've done it in in the war theaters and and things like that, yeah. the different places that we've been. But obviously, now you've got the new the new coming of of, of Robbo. As a as a as an athlete, and you get to represent your country in a different way. It must have been like another proud moment for you. Yeah. So if we rewind a few years, I remember that when I was in uh, hospital, and obviously when I, my first goal was to at least get up and about and get able. And then when I started playing sport, uh, I wanted to see where it could t- take me. And then I got to the Invictus Games, and I thought, Do you know what, 
let's let's see where this can take me. And when I finally got called up to the elite squad and after after Rio, um, the, the whole goal for me was look, I've got to at least get to now one Paralympic Games just to just to just to mark that off the the sheet. You know what I mean? And see where it can take us. So um, with obviously COVID, it was a little bit touch and go what was going to happen. But I think we always um, had that belief that we were going to get there and things like that and. To get the nod that had been selected for Tokyo, um, I was obviously over the moon, um, and I was just looking forward to getting going. I know that just being part of the squad was the the first thing that to 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 kind of get ticked off. But you've actually got to go out there and perform, and that was the next hardest thing. And <coughs> we're all our fingers crossed that um, and holding our breath that there's going to be no nothing to do with COVID over there, and it's going to disrupt any of our plans. And we're pretty lucky that we we. We got away with it scot free, but I think, um, like I said before, getting out there to the games, um, an, an amazing experience and one obviously I'll never forget. Not just for the fact that we we came up with the gold medal, but I think the fact that um, taking in the whole atmosphere, taking in that this is what uh, elite sports about. This is the the Paralympic Games. I remember watching before we went to um to, to Bastion back in twenty. Well, I went in twenty twelve, didn't I? Um, yeah. Yeah, um, I remember seeing it. I was I sat at home watching the the London twenty twelve games and just thinking this is like an amazing experience and the the people that are watching this they've obviously travelled to watch these top level elite athletes take part in sport and be at the very top level of the game and now they're performing in front of these huge crowds and yeah, like I said, it's not it wasn't that much of an issue that we didn't have a crowd in Tokyo, but I think just being able to participate and have that that uh, exclusive right, should we say, to be the best amongst the best players in your sport in the country and be able to perform was just, like I said, an amazing experience. You know? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I know, I know a lot of people say, because oh, I've I've mentioned it a few times with a couple of the, the fighters that I've had on on the show. It's like, did the, did the lack of crowd affect you and things like that? But when you when you think about it in terms of team sports and, and, and what have you, especially on your way up, you you never usually play in front of a large crowd anyway, whether it's a few spectators from family or, or whatever. So you've still got it in your head that you can perform. You know, it, it's not it's not like you you revolt, oh, sorry, uh, resort back to default and go, oh, it's a training game because you know, you've been there before. And, and just... I think that um, for me, uh, it's not much of a cliche, but, I, whenever I played anyway, I try not to listen to the crowd and let them affect my game and what I'm doing on court anyway. So it didn't really, it would have been nice to have people there watching and you know, friends and family and whatever else, but uh, for, for my first games as well, and obviously to come away with a medal was amazing. But um, I think you try and block out the crowd and you try and concentrate. You've got enough going on to worry about than what's going on in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. As much as that is great. But um, one of the, on the flip side of all this, um, when you're on court, obviously a lot of our sport is to do with communication and not only between us four players on court, but you've got to listen to coaches, people from the bench are shouting your information and stuff like that. And that's made it a, a bit easier to obviously hear everything. Yeah, it is easier, but as well as that, if you, hear it. <laughs> if you do something wrong, uh and you oh you mess up, you can yeah. Just there's no crowd, you've got no way of saying so. I couldn't hear your coach, you shouting. <laughs> yeah, <you>. yeah, what? <laughs> so you've got to turn around, you've got to not not make eye contact and just try and continue with the game. And just, but yeah, like I said, with, with no crowd there, it did definitely help us out and listening to 
what people have got to say and getting the message across and how to play the game. So it works in our favour. Yeah. So did uh, I take it the misses and kids weren't allowed to go out then at all, or or were they? No, uh, no one could go out. Um, originally, friends and family were gonna come out, um, but then it obviously all got cancelled because of the the organising committee, um, obviously because of COVID and stuff like that. But um, I think a few select members of um, Paralympics GB, so like the uh, the the chef demission and a few of the others were allowed to come out and watch, and they were obviously part of our uh, part of our whole squad. So we had like our sports psychologist and uh, the video guys. They were all in the in the crowd, and other teams were able to come and watch as well. Because but as long as they were obviously wearing masks and stuff. But again, it doesn't kind of make up for not having a crowd. But again, we weren't there for that. So yeah. Now you were there for the gold, and that's what you took home, mate. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you can get that mounted, though. I don't think that can go with the others. <laughs> Bring my shoulders down a little bit, but I can give it a go. <laughs> Is it heavy? Yeah, it's unbelievably heavy, you know what I mean? Um, when we finished the um, <laughs> yeah, the gold medal match, uh, literally, we had about two seconds. You had to go back in the changing room. Um, you had to put your uh, podium kit on. Uh, and obviously, I was still dripping with sweat, still emotional, still sweating oh. everywhere. So you were lined up, you went out on court, um, and they come along and give you the medals. When they put you on, they're quite heavy. And the, uh, the the lanyard, should we say, which holds the medal, it's like it's quite an abrasive material. And it, it, obviously, in the back of your neck, it's quite heavy, and you're like this, and you're trying to keep your head up to sing the national anthem and to look proud and shoulders back, chest out, and that kind of stuff. But um, it was too heavy. It was obviously all worth it in the end. So, you know. Definitely, mate. Definitely, you. It must have been. It must have been sort of bittersweet for the family, though, the fact that they weren't allowed out, but still got to see you, fucking. Because I, even though, like you know, we're we're fucking military brothers. We'll we'll call it that. I was fucking proud as punch, mate. I remember fucking celebrating in the in the living room. I was like, he's fucking done it. Fucking jumping around. Fucking incredible. When I came off court, obviously that two seconds, I had to quickly get my. Uh... My, my jacket on and things like that. Um, because I'd hydrated myself far too much being on court and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I've for a pee, so I was like, oh, I've got to go, I've got to go. I thought, while I'm, while I'm going to go for a pee, I'm going to quickly I'll check my phone and see what's going on. And obviously, the phone was going absolutely mental. <laughs> I remember my son George ringing me, um, what's it, what, while I was on the loo having a wee. And uh, I thought he was going to be like, oh, congratulations, Dad, well done, it's been amazing. But first of all, he was like, he did say that, but he was like, yeah, but what about this pass that you messed up? Uh, <laughs> your biggest critic, mate. Literally, I'd gone from like cloud nine to get yourself back down to where you're not going anywhere. So, but I, I'm quite happy with that. So, yeah. yeah. How is the wee man? How's he getting on? Is he, uh, what, so, is, he like, is he picking up sports because he is athletic? Um, is is I've I started taking him to a few rugby sessions. Uh, he, he does his own rugby at school and football and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, taking to a few um rugby sessions in the chair and stuff and. He obviously whinges and complains about his hands hurting and his arms hurting. And I was like, yeah, well, this is part and parcel of sport. But he, uh, I think he enjoys it and I think he's, he wants to come back again. So we'll have to see if he oh, can. That's, uh... that's good. That's good. Like, I, I would love to give it a go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'll probably get smashed to pieces because I'm fucking so fucking uncoordinated at times. Like, I think, I think it's got to be hard to muster. Like, especially if you. If your if you if your legs are working and you're in there, you you're gonna be like, oh, I need to fucking I need to move. But then, yeah, I think a lot of people struggle with the fact that if the ball's in your hands, how can you control the chair and maneuver yourself? Yeah. And 
you've got to learn then how to like use your core, use your hips, use your trunk, use your shoulders, use your head, use your neck, all that kind of stuff to help maneuver your chair as well as if you've got the ball as well. So it's a, it does take a lot. It's a lot of stuff to get used to, but after a while, it's like a second nature. So. Did it take you long to master? It's obviously you, at the yeah. yard degree, you're in Headley Court, and then so what? What was the sort of the 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 pathway to to jumping in the chair? So do you know what was what was tough for me it was the one of the big things whilst you're at Headley Court and whilst you're in um, rehab is if you're an amputee. Uh, from the legs that their big goals for you is to get you up and about walking again and get you up and about on the legs yeah, yeah. which is great the gets you independence of that but it, it also it put me into a mindset of where uh, I, I was all about wanting to be on my legs the whole time and I wanted to be up and walking and so much so that even like when when, when you'd go over with the kids I'd be like no I'm going to take the legs today I'm going to do this I'm going to do that but even though I'd be so fatigued after like not even like half the distance of whatever they wanted to go and it, it put definitely parameters on what you can and can't do but I think um it was only then when I started getting used to the chair using my, my normal wheelchair more that you kind of get used to it more and stuff like that but then you get into the rugby chair and I think that for me I made the transition not only because of rugby but because of issues I had with my uh my stumps and my prosthetics and stuff like that that I spent more and more time in my day chair which obviously then translated to being more and more in my, in my rugby chair. Also, it kind of put two and two together, but it helped me out massively by not being on the legs, but also obviously took away a little bit of my independence because I liked being up and about and being at a normal yeah, flight yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. You, you're on your legs? Like mm. now still? Or you majority? Uh, singular, yes. I'm on my leg. Leg. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I have a lot of issues with my uh, um, my above knee stump because it's quite a short one that um, I have to I get a lot of pain, a lot of issues, a lot of rubbing, a lot of skin issues and stuff like that. So um, I wear my below knee prosthetic probably 99% of the time, even though I'm in my wheelchair because uh, I have no adaptations in my car. So I can still drive my automatic car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, if you're going to put fuel in the car, yeah, you can with the one prosthetic on, you can get out your driver's side, hop to back, put the fuel in, go back. It's so much easier wearing the one leg and stuff like that. But um day to day I'm I'm probably I'm having the chair and more more often than not. And my other prosthetic is currently away getting service, but I very rarely use it now because of the, the pain and issues that it causes. Yeah. It can't yeah, because obviously it's it's not a natural thing, is it, to have prosthetics obviously on. So yeah, it must it must cause a lot of irritation and pain. That yeah, it's like never ending. It must be. Yeah, I was um in the summer. Uh, I went down the route of possibly getting surgeries to help the uh the prosthetics fit properly. I don't know if talk about this time or not, but where they were going to put like a metal rod into my femur. Yeah, did, did yeah, yeah. But obviously, uh, COVID put an end to all that, and then. Uh, uh, there's a few other issues obviously with funding and uh, things like that but we kind of went away from um, and for me the, the, the probably the biggest issue that I looked at was um, they wanted me to uh, I think the gold standard recovery for all this was like uh, six months off and I couldn't afford six months off playing rugby when I was so young yeah yeah definitely I suppose it's obviously 
you know, taking time off in general is, is bad enough. But when you're at the top of the sport, you need to be doing as much as you can. Yeah. But I don't know if we've frozen or not. Oh, there we go. You're back. Tinterweb connection went a bit funny there. You froze quite in a in a funny in a funny sort of uh, face there. So that'll be good for the video. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, you did. You you sort of mentioned um, that you had obviously the chefs and the sports psychologists that came to watch. So is that just while you're in camp? In in terms of uh, for GB getting ready for the Olympics, you have the chefs. Is it, is it a set nutritionist that you have, or is it just? Yeah, so we haven't got a chef. We've got um, you get our, chef. our background <laughs> staff. We've got the coaches. We've got um, we've got the team manager. We've got the performance manager, hmm. uh, video analysis guy. We've got the strength and conditioning guy. Uh, we've got the psychologist. Um, who else have we got? We have got nutritionists. Uh, we've got the physio. Uh, so there's a lot more background stuff. Obviously, now that we're a, a fully funded program as well, we've got um, a lot of the people that we needed. So. Uh, it definitely helps because obviously now we're obviously a professional outfit. We're um, aiming towards the next Paralympic Games and where that can take us and beyond. And we just hope that um, every little gain, not just from your your own perspective with your chair and how you look after yourself, but if you've got the <coughs> amount of people in the background to help you out, then you can only obviously help you go in the right direction. So fingers crossed. Does the uh, sports psychologist help? Or is it something that, um, there yeah. that you're like, you're all right, mate? Yeah. yeah, I think uh, I, I uh, uh, the previous one we had, I used him quite a lot uh, in the build-up to uh, to Tokyo. Yeah, um, I was quite happy with the way that my, uh, my my physical side of my game was going, my technical side with the coaches and stuff like that. But I think um, the um, the the mental side of the game for me was was tough and. I had to work with a few things um, with with the psychologist and how we could bring that into my game and, and to get, go forward. And there's still quite a, a prominent part of um, some of the stuff that we worked on that helped me massively um, out in Tokyo. Um, and obviously now that we have a, a new sports psychologist in place, um, we're obviously looking forward to more things that we can work on together and hopefully it'll bring us the same um, benefits going forward. Awesome, awesome. So, how how is the um the training going towards the the next? Is it all uh so so? Let me rephrase that. Do you have do you have like the world championships? You still represent Great Britain, or is it England? Uh, so uh, we are part. We are part. We are uh the GB Elite squad, but. Um, yeah. when we go to the Paralympics, we are part of Paralympics GB. Yeah. Um, I think for the for what you're leading to is the the guys in the rugby league. They are four oh, yeah. four different entities, so they'll obviously represent England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Uh, whereas yeah. obviously for us, we the whole of uh, Great Britain and go from there. So there is it like a like a world when when you go to like the World Championships or whatever, it's so yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's that's good. At least it's the fucking. At least you know you're like the best of the fucking country. As yeah, a whole, we've got <laughs> four times the amount of people to choose from, rather than just narrowing ourselves down just to, down to just England. So yeah, yeah, that's that's fucking good. 
Excuse me, I fucking went down the wrong hole. So how's the how's the preparations going at the minute then? Are you are you on a bit of downtime or are you oh you had Christmas? Yeah, I think um so a, a, a bit more background is um last summer um I was playing over a tournament in the in in, in the States and the last minute of the, the the final against um against USA, um I got spun out of my chair backwards. And also as you're coming out backwards, you can't control your fall, you can't stop or anything and Smashed my head off the floor. Um, straight away, the, uh, the 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 referee stopped the play. The the team manager and the physio came on. They're like, "You actually?" I was like, as I opened my eyes, laid on the floor. It was like a cartoon. I mean, I had like birds yeah. going on and so, and Jesus. But because it was it was we were level on points. Um, it was the last minute of the game. I was like, they were like, "You actually?" I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Honestly, I could not see straight to save my life. But it was like so. <laughs> Um, but so we carried on for the last minute, and I tried passing the ball to someone, and it did not go straight. Or anything. I said, "Look, I, I can't, I can't carry on. I can't even see straight to you." So they took me off, uh, and I was in a pretty bad shape. Um, I was definitely concussed. <laughs> One of the biggest um, disappointments for me was because at the end of every rugby tournament, uh, you have like a, a final meal, and you have a few like celebrate your beers and stuff like that, and you congratulate each other for whoever's won or whatever else. But um, the last minute of the last game. Meant that I had one more minute to play until we finished the game, and I could then go out and we could celebrate the whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Came off the court, and the the physio turned to me and said, "Yeah, Stu, you you definitely concussed. Um, unfortunately, that means no no alcohol for you tonight." I was like, "Ah, just <laughs> my fucking eyes out." <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so since then I've been suffering quite a lot, you know, with like <laughs> head in headaches and like things like that, and struggling a bit. So. Um, unfortunately, I had to take a bit of time off, um, obviously due to medical um, reasons. Um, and we're trying to trying to get our head around that, not not literally, but trying to get used to it again. And uh, I've literally been given the all clear um, not long just before Christmas, so I'm ready to go, go again. But that's why I kind of missed the World Championships, which was massively dis- disappointing. Um, but obviously now we're steam ahead ready to go for we've got a busy year this year we've got our European Championships which are going to be in Cardiff um, which will be an amazing tournament because uh, not only is, is it on home soil um, but it's a it's a direct qualifier for the, the Paralympics next year so if we go ahead go to that tournament on our home soil win it we get qualification for Paris so fingers crossed we'll go and do that um, and I said we're going to Paris anyway at the end of the year um, and then we obviously got the big year next year over in the Paralympics and stuff like that. So there's a lot of tournaments to build up to. And I know that some people kind of like to take a bit of a rest over Christmas and enjoy the mince pies and whatever else things are. But for me, I was trying to maintain my fitness and, main, and stay on top of stuff so that when it comes to when we hit training in, we have a training camp in about another week's time. Hello. You're at the adverts. So don't turn off. Don't turn off because I've got some good stuff for you. First up, I'm going to talk about our sponsors. Kent CBD is our first sponsor. Now, CBD oil, as you know, has tremendous benefits, especially within mental health and physical health. Personally, I use it to help with my anxiety and my depression. But not only that, I also use it to help with the aches and pains of life in my joints, especially my ankles and my knees. Um... But yeah, without CBD oil, I would have still been on my antidepressant tablets, which I'm no longer on. So, you know, every cloud. And what we're going to do here at Granite Zero is we're going to give you 10% off.
everything from oil, muscle rub, jellies, bath salts, the lot. Yeah, make sure you get in there. www.kentcbd.org. Put in the promo code Granite Zero and get yourself 10% off. You are welcome. But also, if you're like me and you love a nice cup of coffee, now, for me, I only drink one coffee, and that's Green Beret coffee. Now, I don't only drink it because it's out of this world fucking coffee, roast to order, grinded to whatever specific grind you want. But not only that, it's veteran owned and veteran run, which, you know, hits me right in the feels. So make sure you check it out, Green Beret Coffee. Get yourself a nice cup of coffee. I drink it dark, just like my soul. Incredible stuff, incredible stuff. And what I'm going to give for you, I'm going to give you 10% off. So once you get to the checkout, once you've got all your coffee, your products, your apparel, whatever you need, get to the checkout and put in the promo code GZPODCAST10 and get yourself 10% off, courtesy of the Granite Zero Podcast. You are welcome. Now, that's enough of me talking about this stuff. Back to the regular scheduled show. Check it out. I knew it would do that. <laughs> it came up with, you've got less than a minute. And I was like, shit. And then it doesn't give you an actual timer. Fucking piece of shit. Welcome back after the adverts, Robert. <laughs> back to it, back to it. So yeah. no time off. You're you're full steam ahead. You're back in training properly. So do you, so obviously after suffering the concussion, yeah, trying to get back in. So oh, I think hold on yeah yeah there we go. So after um suffering from the the concussion, there's obviously been a bit of bit of lag since since smashing the head. Do you think that do you think that might have yeah. something to do with the previous head injuries that you've had? Um, do you know what? I've, I've, I've only ever had a concussion once before, obviously, apart from um, the actual incident, which maybe there was concussion, but I don't know. There's nothing on my notes. But I think before then, I did it when I went surfing once down at St. Morgan. Um, but aside from that, um, I think, I don't know if it's had any uh, any any link to whatever else, but I think we have to keep an eye on it. It's pretty prevalent in, in sport at the moment with, oh, rugby, with football and heading in football. I think, especially in our sport, where um, it's a full-on contact sport, and the the speeds and the the forces that are going through people's chairs when you're getting hit and stuff like that. That if if anyone's head touches the floor, that the correct safety procedures need to be followed in order to not allow any further ongoing issues. So I'm I'm glad that it's been sorted, should we say, and steps are good, uh, to be taken to go forward. Yeah. Is there many injuries in your in your sport? Obviously, because it's it's mad. Because when you you look at football, for example, they roll around like fucking cunts most of the time. Rugby, they pretend that they're not hurt, but it's like being hit in a fucking car crash every game. And you're literally in a car crash every game. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um... Like I said earlier, a majority of the time the the chairs do take a lot of the impacts and stuff like that, and you do get occasionally fingers, whatever else, 
get getting hurt or people on the floor and hurt the shoulders or else. But aside, from, you don't see that many major injuries unless something terribly goes wrong. But yeah, I think luckily most of the time the the chair set impacts and you can kind of get away with it. So unless you spin out backwards and smash your head, but it's not great. Definitely not, especially when you can't see straight either. So that makes yeah. you makes you have to wear gig, gigs now. So we're gonna start calling you Gigsy now instead of instead of, instead of the actual Gigsy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who actually messaged me the other day saying that he's looking forward to listening to this one I was like you should look forward to listening to all of them you fucker at least his name's got into this one so <laughs> yeah yeah tell you what yeah. uh, going back we're going to take a trip down memory lane now that the B flight that we had when we went to Iraq was fucking amazing yeah. I love that flight I think uh, was it Scott Brandt put the other day like pictures of him when he left the military, and there was one. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. So that uh, that came about because that was the well, the majority of the lads that went to fifteen, the sixth of January was when we attested. So <laughs> I started off standard, and uh, I put I put a post up saying it would have been it would have been my fifteen year point. Um, yeah. Which even to this day, I'm still a bit gutted that I never got to fucking where I wanted to be, but obviously circumstances changed. But yeah, yeah. when Scott, when Scotty B um started putting pictures up, I was like, I've got it. like even down to I think it's you can see that that picture there. I don't know where you are in that. You're not in that one. I've got um the side. Yeah. I've got uh Giggsy, Jono, Cookie, oh, yeah. Cookie and Lasardi. Where did you go? <laughs> Boss Miller. And Boss Miller, yeah. Stewie, Stewie Griffin. Yeah. That was... I that was when... Um, yeah. Oh, of course. Of course it was. That makes more sense. So I've got... I was like... I've got about four different photos of the same photo, but obviously you're in one of them. I've got Hardy yeah, yeah. in another one. And then, it, and I seem to have moved places in each one. I don't. <laughs> I was like, oh, I must have been just fucking about. But that was the uh, the blonde slash ginger slash strawberry yeah, blonde. That was the sun in, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, was I, I remember. Time. I remember. I was on the um, I was on the phone to the missus. My missus is a hairdresser, and I was like, I might do what the rest of the lads are doing and put some sun in my hair. She was like, Don't, don't bother. I was like, all right, it will fall out eventually. I was like, what? So good luck with that, Robert, if you ever go bald. Blame the sun in. <laughs> it's been done that many times. It's not well, it's not been done for a while, but thankfully, um, it's not getting it's not getting done again. I'm, I'm kind of accepting the colour and the state that my hair's in right now rather than giving it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was it was a it was a good first tour in, in terms of because obviously it was closing down. Yeah, the majority of the squadron was it was literally our first tour, wasn't it? Like obviously you had the likes of yourself, uh, Jono and and Giggsy that had done um, previous tours, obviously. But the fact that Fifteen Squadron got basically brand new LACs, like to make up the entire squadron, going off to Iraq was at that time was probably a bit of a gift, really. Yeah. Just the fact I said it was it was a good I think good tour to finish obviously not the 
the the the normal kind of operational detachment that you do but i think for lads that did deploy out there it was a good opportunity for them to go out there and see to do what they joined the air force to do and to go and see the world and go and see some ISO containers and things yeah like that. <laughs> see some ISO containers a reservoir and some snapping turtles yeah but yeah you know it's, it's, it's a good opportunity to get out there and get your boots on the ground and stuff like that so yeah definitely definitely what's up so we're gonna go proper trip down memory lane. i don't think i even asked you this last time like what sort of guided you to join the regiment in the first place Mm, so um i was at, <laughs> nobody i was at school and uh you have to do mock interviews i don't know if people still do them or not but like i have no they idea got, <laughs> so they got people from professional <laughs> jobs to come in and to interview you as a new new adult or whatever it was to look at where you're going to be future employed and stuff like that and luckily for me uh, I got uh, a, uh, a a techie sergeant from the um, Air Force Careers Office. Uh, he came in and chatting. And he just I did the interview, but then as well, he was just chatting about, oh, what's your actual plans like when you leave school? I said, oh, I'm just I'm debating whether or not to join the military. This and eleven. He kept giving me a few ideas, and then I went off to college. Uh, you do um, at the college. You did like go to see the different public services. So you go to the army. You go to see the Marines and stuff like that. Went away with the Air Force and stuff like that. And then I just remember that the same sergeant was up at the um the the, the job centre um one day. Um and I don't know how why I was up there because I actually had a job at the time. So maybe yeah. I heard he was up there. I got chatting to him again. He said, Look, why don't you come down? Well, actually at the cruise office rather than anything else. And uh went in there and they were like, Oh, what, what job would you be interested in? And straight away I, I think I don't know why, but I wanted regiment anyway. Um and they kind of like I did a, I had to do a double take, and they're like, well, "What do you want to do that for?" I was like, "Well, it's just that's mad, isn't it?" Because like I remember going through my AFCO, and I fucked up my aptitude test, which is why I chose regiment. Um, I wanted the next physical job, and they went, "Oh, you can do you." It was a list from like MT driver, dental assistant, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and right at the bottom was regiment, and they were like, "Are you sh- are you sure?" I'm like, "Yeah." I was like, you shouldn't be steering me away from job, surely not. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I think definitely still one of the best decisions I made because I wouldn't have changed it for anything else in the world. Oh, I still enjoyed. Hundred percent. And so. you're you're probably very similar to me. Like, obviously, you you read and see all the different banter pages that rip the fucking regiment. It's like, well, you guys clearly don't know, like. Yeah. We, we're not just fucking naffy watchers or fucking five mile of death merchants and fucking all that bullshit. I even I even pulled someone up on that the other day. I went, you guys are going to need some new banter soon because that's like 15 years of yeah. since the five mile of death. So what are you on about? Get new banter. It won't be long before it'll be the next lot of generation coming through that are trying to use that same kind of banter, but they probably won't even old enough or won't even born when it, when it, when it, when it <laughs> Yeah, when it... exactly. Exactly. Oh, you shoot your own body armor, do we though? Just I don't I just take a digital nowadays. I mean I'm just I'm not <laughs> I used to bite. I used to bite quite regularly. Like I'd be like, fuck you. You don't you don't know. But now I'm like, yeah, okay. Cool story, bro. Yeah, exactly. Well you just Sorry. put a picture up and you go, oh, I don't see any fucking fences here. Well, 
oh, I must be out on the ground doing something. Yeah. But it's, it is what it is, isn't it? It's, it comes part and parcel with the, you know, with everybody. I've I've had, you know, Marines and riflemen and paras on the show, and they're all like, we we have never had a problem with the Rapridge. So I'm like, no, you wouldn't have. Everybody has shit cunts that work for him. A lot of the time, it's just you'd hope it was just military banter and people are just clinging on to the fact that it's something that they know they can get people to bite on, but just yes, get on with it. And how can <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just, just fucking get on with it. Just get on with it. So what, what have you got? Um, what you got coming up then? Obviously, more training. So, um, one of the apart from obviously winning the gold medal in, in Tokyo, one of the good things that happened for me in Tokyo was uh, I, I received a Facebook message, um, message request, and I opened it up and it said, um, Would I be interested in playing for a, a club team uh, over in the US? Oh, yeah, uh, so this, oh, it's really big over there, isn't it? So, yeah, um, so I'll be like, yeah, definitely. Look, let me know. Let me go off to Tokyo. Let me get my head out my arse and fully celebrating. And after I've had a few beers, um, and I'll, and I'll sort it out. Um, and initially, we got back to them and they're like, look, we'd love to come for you to come over and play. Um, we're based, um, just near California. Um, we'll, we'll get you somewhere to stay. We'll, we'll sort of flights and stuff. We'd come out. Oh, this would be perfect. This not not that because I still think that great. Yeah, we'd won a gold medal, and that's probably the the going to be the pinnacle of my career, but. I still feel that even at Tokyo, that I was still I'm still on a learning curve about where where I can get to and where I want to go. So I want to say, yeah, I still want to say every opportunity I can get to 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 continue or further my 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 ability in my playing career. And this was a great opportunity. I spoke to the coaches and they were like, "Look, we'd love you to go because um, you're you're being like an alien environment. Um, this will enable you to grow as like an athlete and and and, and yeah, yeah. develop yourself as a player." So. Went out there, started playing, um, had like, some amazing experiences. Um, uh, we went to the US Nationals, which was over in Chicago in April, I think it was. Really? Uh, we did we did pretty well, but um, aside from like, British, so I was over there for like a four day tournament, what it was, and uh, not naming any names, but a certain airline lost the rugby chair. On the way out to the tournament, Jesus. Oh, so, uh, that's, that's kind of an important bit of kit, that. Yeah. So, otherwise, uh, you're uh, playing volleyball, mate. Yeah. <laughs> at the four-day tournament, on the third day, I eventually got the chair back. So I was like, "Well, I've missed like two days of vitally important games where we could be winning." And this is like the the whole year, this whole tournament or this whole season playing this team in the US has been geared up to to playing at this tournament and you've you've left me here for like two days with no chair. i we tried to get around it by like borrowing people's chairs and seeing but like you know, you know I mean every chair is bespoke to an individual and you can use other people's chairs yeah, like you bet, want, but so it's it that's gotta be that's gotta be fucking so frustrating. Like 'cause obviously like you said earlier, the chair the chair is designed for you. It's your chair. Like, so no matter, I'm getting a lot of people borrow my football boots. So, <laughs> you know, not being able to or borrow someone. How do you borrow someone's chair? You're exactly yeah. And, and like, like I, I was using it in one of the games, and somebody else's chair, and I was pushing with it, and like, I was catching my thumbs here and there, and I was doing myself more damage more than I was helping anybody else. So I was just like, this is just pointless, and. 
luckily the next morning the chair arrived and I managed to get a couple of games out of it. But um, yeah, aside from that, um, we played at a tournament down in um, in Tampa in Florida. And uh, I got chatting to the guys there that, that, that were running the tournament. And they said, look, we've got a team here called um, the uh, the Wounded Warriors. Now, um, I'd heard of them before. Um, and basically, they they were they were originally based of a team from from Tampa area, um, but another team which is like injured military guys were playing uh, in in the US like the top league, and they're like, look, we'd love you to come join us and stuff like that. So uh, that season finished um, in uh, April last year, and then I went and joined this new team over in Tampa. So now it's all about trying to maximize my opportunities to. Well, and maximize the dates of when I'm free to not play for my cup team here, not playing for GB here, and getting across there and, and making the most of every but tournament. As, as much of a ball lake as it is, the more game time that you're getting, whether it's in your little downtime phases, is, is going to be beneficial for not only your main club team, but obviously GB as well. How, how's, yeah. the, how's the missus find all that? Is, is she quite happy with you fucking off to America for a, a jolly or? <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is all about me furthering my um my career and my sport and, and where I can take it, where I can take myself with it. So, uh, I think as long as we can bear that in mind, that obviously there's no issues and we can kind of continue going forward. With it, so yeah, yeah. I suppose being at the the top level that you are, at sometimes, especially in terms of in in career, as it as it is with any any person, sometimes you have to have that that selfish streak where it's i've got this is my career it's not like you're sat behind a desk sending email I mean, I'm looking, yeah i'm looking at every opportunity i can just to, not just to because i want to get away from the country or want to go and enjoy time over there but i want to continue playing rugby because i like with with every sport you know i mean you've only got like a limited playing career before yeah over the hill and past it you know i mean and for me to fair enough i had a pretty Good, but a longish career in the air force, and then I left. By the time I was thirty, but to start a as a new sporting career where you've got to be at the top of your physical and mental game for a, a, as long as you can, but to start that at the age of thirty was was it's going to be tough always, and you're always like on. I think always going to be coming down um, to to when your career is going to finish. So for now, like I said I want to max, try, try and maximize every opportunity to, to get out there and to play and to to make the most of what I can before um before I have to pull time on the whole thing. So awesome. you're yours in a way you're building your own little legacy as well. So that even even the kids when they grow up they go, this is what my dad achieved. This is he he's fucking awesome. Like I I, I forget that like <laughs> it's weird when you look back at it how young we were as as fucking airmen in the air force when we first started to when we when we left i left when i was 25 but like like you said you you came out when you were 30 you you had your injuries and whatnot you you saw it's, it's, you, people go people look at it and go fucking hell you're fucking old as shit at 30 like, no i'm not like boxers don't reach their fucking pinnacle until they're in their like late 20s 30s so you're coming into sort of the pinnacle like elite level of fitness in terms of wh where you're at and then now obviously how long have you been playing rugby for now like it's got to be nearly 10 years no no i started playing in 24 oh well, nine years now like 2014 i was there first, my first <laughs> <in> Victor, so. 
wasn't far off. Yeah, yeah. well, it doesn't. It feels like it's gone like so quickly. It's gone fucking quick, mate. Eight level, it's been like 2017, so it's only really been five years I've been playing at the top level. So, you know, yeah, and you're fucking getting old now, mate. Not great when yet, you're... Doing great but, yet. Yeah. yeah, but when you're saying like, oh, your body's got to be in the best shape, you, you come into the peak, I'm like, my body doesn't feel like right now, it feels like in bits all mate, the time. So. Your body, your, your body must be smashed to pieces because obviously you got blown up and that <laughs> you got blown up right. and that. now you're getting smashed by wheelchairs. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm supposed to be at my fucking peak and I fucking feel like I'm fucking 84. My ankles <laughs> and knees... Yeah, for the rest no offense because you're nothing, but my ankles and knees fucking kill me. <laughs> you're lucky. <laughs> oh, fucking brilliant. <clears throat> but, mate, genuinely, though, all, all props to you because you've... Oh, I think I said it in the, fir- in the first time that you came on, like... Being dealt the injuries that you got dealt, and and you know nobody would have batted an eyelid if you sort of went into some sort of spiral of depression or anything like that, or or if you just sort of went fucking I'm fucked now. But you you've taken it from from strength to strength, and and taken it from the injuries that you got given, and you went right. These are the cards that I've been dealt. I'm going to make the most of what I've done. And you fucking, like, you know, a lot of people that I know that would probably have flaked out and some people would have got to, like you did with the Invictus Games, have gone, I've done what I needed to do. But you've gone from strength to strength to strength to strength, from getting your injury, getting rehabilitated, going to the Invictus Games, getting selected for the GB team and now going and now fucking well Olympic gold medalist yeah. MBE mate <laughs> what what a fucking story what I want to know is when's the fucking book being written because <laughs> it, it, it can't be any worse than fucking Prince Harry's <laughs> oh god yeah um but I think that um I, I've come from the what helped me a lot was um when you go to like a place like Headley Court um, you see the full um, spectrum of not only uh, injuries, but the full spectrum of um, people's emotional state of how they, oh, yeah. um, how they take on things, you know what I mean? And some people, like you said, are quite happy to sit in in their, their single mom room. They'll, they'll come out for their sessions during the day. They'll go back to the room. You'll not see them all. They'll not interact with anybody. But as others, like they'll be like, events going on in the evening where you could go to the cinema, you could go water skiing, you could do this, you do that. And people literally throw their hats in the ring every single thing you can do. And I think each to their own, everyone's entitled to to whatever they want to do. But for me, I didn't see that my injuries and my disabilities should limit my my life and where I want to go. And obviously looking for me, I found sport and it took me to some amazing places. And long may it continue, hopefully, but I think that it's just something that I've, always clung to and always continue to look forward to that just grasp every opportunity you can and make the most of it. So, yeah. Definitely. And like like I, I'm I put in the in the sort of description of you you coming on, like it it really is an inspiration. Like I know you probably quite humble in the fact that you're like, yeah, whatever mate, fucking shut up. But it is because it, it just shows that it doesn't matter the limitations that you have. You can still make the most of what you've got, 
Yeah, that's what they are. And, and those that are able-bodied that are fucking lazy and don't do fuck all, you're like, look at fucking Robbo, look at Mark Ormrod, look at all these guys that have got these limitations now through serving their country. They've got these limitations, but yet now look at them. And you served your country in a completely different way by bringing home the first fucking Olympic medal. And it happened to be the fucking gold one. So, mate, genuinely super proud to fucking know you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Genuinely. You see your fucking shirt in the background on your fucking screen. Fucking yeah. legend. Yeah. It was definitely, uh, I think it's like just a constant reminder of obviously where where I've come from and to where, where I'm in. I'm not saying that obviously this is like the, the gold standard way of recovery should go. But for me, it's been pretty, pretty plain sailing. I've been pretty lucky that I know, I don't know many other people that say that being injured like this and losing your legs is lucky. But for me, I've been lucky in the fact that there's been like no major complications of um, medical side of things. Um, I've kind of chosen the goal that I want to, that wanted to get to and yeah obviously it's hard work and the graph that goes on in the background is it's, it's undeniably tough but I think it's definitely all worth it in the end and to, once you get there and you get to the the, the standards that you set yourself and where, where you want to be that it's definitely all worth it and it's something to look back on in the future isn't it so yeah definitely definitely so before we close off Robbo what what are the next goals that you've got set for yourself what's what's next so um I think maybe we winning the gold medal in Tokyo was like yeah, a great it was a great opportunity and something that well, I'll always remember, but we've now got the the unenviable task of um we are the um the, the top of the pile now that everybody wants to try and knock you off it and stuff like that. So uh, for us it's been a, a great experience winning that gold medal, but I think what would make it like a little bit more sweet would be to go out and try and win it again and um, having that that back to back um, gold medalist would be an amazing achievement, and not only that, but it would show that I don't want to be known as like this team that went out, went out there and won it by fluke or won it by accident or whatever else. You know what I mean? We've got to go out there and perform and, and play well and, and go out there and try and win it. So uh, I think that is the the next main focus and the next main goal. And um, aside from that, it's trying to stay fit and healthy and continue playing for as long as I can and just make the most of every opportunity we get, like I said. So yeah. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um we don't we don't want this G B side to be like like the Liverpool that won the won the title in, in COVID because that definitely didn't count. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But genuinely though, we I know for a fact that we're all fucking rooting for you. We're all rooting for G B, especially for the next world championships and then the Olympics, definitely. Like, even down to my fucking mother-in-law, mate. My mother, my mother-in-law has never met you, but she fucking loves you. Any time that you're on the telly, any time that you were interviewed, or even down to winning the actual gold, she was messaging me constantly. She was like, "Robbo's on the telly." I'm like, "You don't even know Robbo," but thanks. However, <laughs> did she did get your award wrong? She texted me telling me that you got an OBE. And I was like, I don't think he has. Let me have a look. Maybe we have to Paris. That'll be the next one. Maybe the next one. Maybe the next one. But Robbo, genuinely, you are an absolute inspiration 
from from your injuries even even before that mate you were one of the best fucking junior ncos that i ever fucking worked with you were you were fucking mega mate and you've gone from strength to strength to strength and you're 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 still as humble as ever which i'm guessing is down to the northern slash military background that you have but it's it's mate genuinely I've I've loved having you on the on the show again, and we're gonna have to get you on after Paris, if not before. But for your hat trick appearance, you don't get a medal or anything for it. So, but you know, maybe when I get fucking a bit bigger, you know, because I've now add on my little invitation that I send to people, I've had an Olympic gold medalist on my fucking show. So, <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. It's been nice. Everybody will turn it, yeah. But Robbo, generally, thanks for coming on. Thanks for giving me your time. Um, but I haven't seen my missus today yet, and I'm hungry, and obviously I'm hungry. Um, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to shoot. But mate, generally, thanks for coming on. It's been fucking a privilege again. I right, appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. And we'll stay in touch. Yeah, definitely. All right, mate. You stay safe. Mm.